Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The week two review episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. Remember, guys, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookie is slammed right now with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best possible service. If you're willing to make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they will give you an additional $25 in free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code BEARS25. New promo code, guys, BEARS25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BEARS25 when creating your account to claim up up to $1,000 in free play. If you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., you can get that extra $25 in free play by using the promo code BEARS25. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take the extra money. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. This week on the Bears Talk Underground, under the lights at Soldier Field, with a national TV crowd watching for the second straight week, our beloved open their home schedule against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, intent on rebounding from their loss to Green Bay and getting Coach Nagy his first win as head coach. Did the Bears deliver, or are we still searching for our first win? All of this plus bear up and bear down on the week two review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Welcome, boys and girls, to the very first victory episode of the Bears Talk Underground era. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the week two review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, and it was a... uh, well, it was kind of a stressful evening last night, wasn't it? Trying to uh, trying to to navigate the muddy waters that is the 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 Hecklin, the Jekyll and Hyde team of our beloved Chicago Bears, where one minute we can look so dominant, like we could play with anybody, beat anybody, and make it look easy, to all of a sudden struggling to keep pace with a team that is struggling itself. I mean, last night was a was a testament to 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 the two sides uh, of the Chicago bears. And um, it was, it was interesting to watch. I mean, the, the bears for, for lack of a better term, were were in control for the entire football game last night. You know, the, the defense was staggeringly awesome uh, last night. I mean, it was something to behold to watch the defense repeat their first half performance uh, uh, from, from green Bay again for basically the entire 60 minutes against the Seattle uh, Seahawks. And, you know, then there was the offense that for the second week in a row took the opening drive right down the field, 96 yards on nine plays, I think it was, with a little help from Seattle with some stupid penalties on 
on their part. Uh, the Bears didn't earn it all on their own, but we'll take every inch that the, that our opponents will give us. Uh, but in the end, we put the punctuation mark on it, the exclamation point, if you will, uh, with a shovel pass from Trubisky to uh, Trey Burton for the touchdown, uh, putting the Bears up seven nothing early, and and then we're you know you seemingly we're off to the races because Russell Wilson and company had nothing. Uh, you know, deep into the fourth quarter, they had 80 yards of total offense. Uh, I mean, they scored two touchdowns in that fourth quarter. The first one was like basically the only legit touchdown they scored uh, in the quarter because that was the one where it was Seattle that moved the football down the field, moved the chains, and then Russell Wilson showing why he is considered an elite quarterback, hitting uh, Tyler Lockett on that with that dime uh, in the corner of the end zone on Kyle Fuller. What what is it with this guy in the corner of the end zone? I just it's not a safe area for us Bears. Uh, for the Bears, man, it's it's terrible. I mean, he first he gets smoked by a dude named Geronimo. Then he gets beat by Tyler Lockett uh, in the corner. So, I don't know. We got to work on that with Kyle Fuller. Protect the corner of the end zone, brother. They're, they're going for it there. But, um, you know, that was the one touchdown that they got that um, was, uh, you know, f- was legitimate, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the last one that they got to make the final score 24-17, to even though the game was never that close, uh, was more on the Bears uh, and the fact they were playing a prevent defense. Basically, they were giving up yards, trying to keep everything in front of them, ended up giving a touchdown there at the very end with about 14, 15 seconds left uh, in the ball game. Basically, a touchdown did not affect the outcome. But, um, you know, so on paper, or at least you look at the box score, you see, oh, well, the Seahawks scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. They, you know, they tried to surge late or anything like that but anybody who watched that full 60 minutes would know that even though the score was 24 to 17 the deficit was only seven the game was never that close the defense was was murderous last night it was really something to see I mean obviously and again for the second week in a row the first half performance was better than the second and actually you could kind of argue that they were about the same I mean we definitely got after Wilson a lot better in the first half five sacks in the first half only one in the second but we got two turnovers out of the Seahawks in the second half including a pick six from Prince of Mukamura a second uh, strip we had two strip sacks on on Wilson uh, last night one by Khalil Mack the other one by Danny Trevathan and you know that second one was basically the killer even though the uh, Mukamura's touchdown was a uh, was the dagger getting that strip sack on Wilson was really what put the bow on the whole thing that was really like the nail uh, in the coffin. I mean, I, I tweeted out at one point when the Bears went up 17-3 to with the with the way that uh, the defense was playing, that 14-point lead might as well be 140 points because the Seahawks would never be able to close the gap, you know. And um, aside from that garbage touchdown there at the very end when the Bears were in full prevent mode, I was I was pretty much right on, on that one. So, um, But nonetheless, it was uh, – it's a win. The Bears are uh, off the schneid. We win our home opener. And uh, ironically, uh, Matt Nagy has as many wins against NFC teams in the second game of the season that John Fox had all of last year. Um, so, yeah, tip of the cap to Nagy on winning one football game. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Because uh, we were a perfect 4-0 and against the AFC North last year. We are the de- the defending 2017 AFC North Division champions. We beat everybody in that division, but we went uh, one and eleven against the NFC. Our lone victory coming 
in that bananas Eddie Jackson game against Carolina uh, last year, which didn't happen until week seven uh, last season. But um, so, yeah, Nagy's already tied John Fox for NFC victories uh, from 2017. So if he wins again this Sunday against the Cardinals, then he will have doubled John Fox's NFC win total from 2017. So uh, something to to shoot for there. So anyway, we got knee-jerk reactions. We got bear up and bear down, so we say we get to it. Starting with the first quarter knee-jerk reaction, and, uh, you know, the Bears were impressive in the first quarter, and um, it kind of felt familiar. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. As far as driving the length of the field, being, uh, you know, abusive to Russell Wilson there in the first quarter, but... uh, a little bit more of a guarded optimism this time around after being smoked last Sunday. Knee-jerk reaction to the first quarter of the Bears and the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. And, you know, it's, it's going pretty good so far. I don't want to be overly optimistic because that got us all into a lot of trouble last week. It's a guarded optimism, if you will. However, it's been, and stop me if this sounds familiar, all Bears up to this point. Uh, The Seahawks have had only two drives thus far in the first quarter. Both ended in in punts. Uh, The first one, I mean, the Seahawks put together a couple of first downs on the first drive. And Michael Dixon, the punter that our good friend Spike Friedman couldn't stop talking about, punted the Bears inside the five-yard line. But thanks to a couple of Seahawk penalties and some awesome play from our offense, The Bears were able to go 96 yards and put it in the end zone to give us a 7-0 lead to start the football game, and that's where we are right now. The Bears are in the midst of their second offensive drive of the game. They're earning this one a lot more than they did the first one. I think the Seahawks had at least three penalties that helped the Bears advance the ball uh, in that first drive. The Bears are earning this one all on their own uh, this time around. Doing a good mixture of running and passing on this drive. Missed a wide-open Taylor Gabriel uh, down the seam on a play action. I mean, just launched it about a foot over uh, Gabriel's head. If he catches it, with his speed and everything, who knows uh, what happens. The Bears would at the very least be deep in Seattle territory right now. But as it stands, we're in Seattle territory, but I think we're at the somewhere in the 35, 40-yard line area. If we, we, we broke the 50 already, but we're in enemy territory. We have the football. It's going to be third and short. Let's see where we go. The Bears are up 7 nothing after one. <laughs> And there you have it. Like I said, all bears. I even said the words guarded optimism and then a knee-jerk reaction. That's very much how you want it to feel. Because a week ago at this time, uh, you know, it was just, you know, 
edge of my seat. I can't believe how well this is going. You know, we're, we're getting after Aaron Rodgers. The offense marched down the field on the first drive. Can you believe this? They are who we thought they were, you know, the whole Danny Green thing uh, and, and whatnot. And it just it was exciting. It was very exciting. And then to watch the Bears come out against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and do it again. March down the field, you know, making some really good plays. Trubisky looks sharp. We're moving the football. You know, we're, we're getting the lucky breaks like we got last week against Green Bay. Extending drives, the foolish penalties that usually go against us. We're now going for us. We finish the drive, put it in the end zone. Boom, just like that. We're up seven to nothing. And then the defense just, just eating Russell Wilson uh, and, their, and the rest of the uh, Seahawk offense alive. Uh, out there maybe they get a first down or two but in the end the defense just becomes an iron wall and you cannot get past it so but you you heard me mention there on that second drive Trubisky had Gabriel why I mean there was nobody within 10 yards of him at least on that one throw and he just launched it about a yard or so over his head he just put too much on it and um, it wasn't the first throw like that actually on the touchdown drive he had uh, Jordan Howard wide open in the flat and threw the football way too high uh, over his head. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't a pretty first half uh, for Trubisky. After the first quarter, the opening drive, much like the Green Bay game, things started to unravel a little bit as far as Trubisky, his accuracy, and, and in some cases his decision-making. You hear me talk about in the second quarter knee-jerk reaction, whereas, you know, the, there was no laughter. There were no boo-birds that made me laugh out loud uh, like it was a week ago, we were only up 10-3, to 3, and with the way our defense was playing, we should have been up way more than that. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, the second quarter, the Bears and the Seahawks, and it's been a very, uh, like, teeth-gnashing type of second quarter. Nitz Trubisky's thrown two interceptions. He's been actually, he's been terrible thus far tonight. You know, he, he looked Decent on that first drive. The Bears scored on the first drive. He's then and then after that, it's basically the same as the Green Bay game. It's like after the first drive of the game, the first couple of drives against Green Bay, he just he like reverted back to being a rookie and and looking inexperienced and 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 what have you. And it's just been frustrating to watch. He he threw two interceptions. Um, one was a batted ball, not necessarily his fault. One, he tried to go deep to, down the sideline to Robinson, and he threw it short. And he almost threw a third on the Bears' last drive where they had to settle for a field goal where uh, Trubisky tried to fit it into a space. There were three defenders there. If the first guy doesn't drop the ball... It goes through his hands to the second guy. It would have hit him right between the numbers. So, I mean, Trubisky is not throwing well at all. I mean, and the funny thing is his stats aren't that bad. 13 of 20, 112 yards, the touchdown and the two picks. And, you know, it's he, he, he also killed a drive uh, earlier in the second quarter. It was uh, like a third and three, and the Bears did, a, uh, did, a, did an option play. And, and Trubisky has the first down if he just runs straight ahead. 
head. But instead, for some reason, it's like he was going to run upfield and then decided to try to cut it around the end or whatever, ends up getting stopped about two yards short when basically if he'd have just kept his head and, and, and just gone straight down the field, it's a first down, the chains keep moving uh, and everything. So, I mean, Trubisky's some, some bad throws, some bad decisions uh, in the second quarter, and hopefully the Bears can get that cleaned up in the second half because despite the fact that the defense has been balling in the first half. Five sacks on Russell Wilson so far, and he's been under pressure all night long. It's only a 10-3 to ball game right now. The Seahawks, Janikowski, apparently the ageless wonder, a 56-yard field goal as time expires at the end of the first half to make it 10-3. to With five sacks, winning the time of possession battle, you know, and everything, the Bears should be ahead at least 21 to three at this point. But the Bears can't finish on offense, and um, you know, if I'm I'm worried, we're going to see a repeat uh, of last Sunday, where the the offense can't keep the defense off the field, and eventually Russell Wilson and his ability to move around in the pocket and extend plays is going to wear this defense down and cost us the football game. So. Dominant performance by the Bears thus far, but uh, I'm nervous going into the second half because I'm not liking what I'm seeing from our offense. So the difference between this week and last week was that we didn't have that that pick six from Khalil Mack to put the cherry on top just before the half. So we were flying high, even though the second quarter uh, offense wasn't impressive at all. As a matter of fact, you heard me mention the word terrible when describing uh, Trubisky's performance in the second half in the second quarter. Uh, I should say. I mean, it was a you know a bit shaky the rest of the first quarter after that first drive, and then missing the throw to Jordan Howard, missing that throw to Gabriel. Honestly, I think if you go back and have a look at that play, but I think it could have been a touchdown with because it would have been Gabriel in the open field. He would have had a blocker downfield with him, and then one other guy to beat. You know, it, it either gets down deep inside the ten, inside the ten, or it is a touchdown if, if Gabriel can make a guy miss. I mean, that's how wide open he was, or at least that's how perfect the call was. And Trubisky just flat out missed the throw. And then the two interceptions—you heard me talk about those. The first one, it was a batted ball, it flew right up into the air. Uh, Shaquem Griffin, or was it Shaquille? Shaquille Griffin is the cornerback. He, you know, dives underneath, makes a good play on it. And, and, you know, it was just an outstanding effort. It was a batted ball and a great effort from the defender. Not really a whole lot you can do about that. Batted balls happen. You know, they just happen. But the second one, that was all Trubisky. He forced the throw down the sideline. And the thing was, it was there. Uh, Robinson had a step uh, on Griffin. Same guy, two picks in the same uh, in the same quarter. But he just shorted it. He just shorted the the pass. It was uh, underthrown and... and um, you know Robinson, and and that was the thing was you think that the six three Robinson would have a you know a, an advantage over the five eight five nine cornerback, uh, but it was it was shorted, so Robinson didn't have a chance to come back for it because he had at least a step or so on Griffin. If he catches the ball, it's a touchdown. So you can see why Trubisky made that decision. He just made a bad throw, and he shorted the shorted the pass, and it ended up being an interception. Uh, going back the other way for uh, for the Seahawks. So, you know, the second quarter was not good. And, and like I said, it left that sour taste in your mouth because the defense was playing lights out. I mean, how many times did we have this conversation last year when we didn't have Khalil Mack, 
when it was, you know, Akeem Hicks and, 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 and Eddie Goldman, Leonard Floyd, Danny Trevathan just out there flat out getting it done and, and, and putting, a, putting a cap on these uh, on our opponents. You know, Adrian Amos with the interceptions last year and Eddie Jackson in the Carolina game and all that kind of stuff. Just wondering, because our offense was three and out and kept giving the football back, you know, you know how long is it going to be before this defense wears out and st- instead of bending starts breaking? And you were just kind of wondering, with as dominant as the Bears had been, especially on the defensive side, five sacks, uh, you know, got, they got, you know, the, 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 the strip sack that Mack got wasn't a turnover. The, the Seahawks were able to recover that one, but it's just everything was going Chicago's way on the defensive side. They played prevent defense and gave up enough yardage for Seattle to attempt a 56-yard field goal. There's only about a handful of kickers who can manage 56 yards and Janikowski just happens to be one of them but even still though as dominant as the Bears were as and as little as the Seahawks were able to generate there in the first half it's a one score game at the break and that's what kind of had you nervous was that it's only going to take one score and just think about the conversation that we had with Spike Friedman was you know you look at the stat sheets and you're wondering how it is that the Broncos didn't win by 30 points uh you know russell wilson threw three interceptions he got sacked six times the broncos have won the time of possession battle by almost an entire quarter you know 10 full minutes of time of possession they beat the seahawks by uh last week and yet they only won by a field goal and and what did we deduce that was the what that was was the big plays that the Seahawks were able to generate a 66 yarder to that tight end uh, Wilsley last week, a 51 yarder to uh, Tyler Lockett. The touchdown pass to Brandon Marshall was about a 30 plus yard uh, pass last week. It wasn't like the Seahawks were generating offense, moving the chains and then running it in from two yards out without those big plays. Denver wins the game easily last week. And that's what we were talking about the Bears being vulnerable after the second half that we saw uh, a week ago, Rodgers with three big plays in the fourth quarter to generate the points that they needed to win that football game. And at this point in the game, all that all that Russell Wilson needed was one to be tied for basically to be zero zero all over again. Russell Wilson just needed one big play to draw them even. And then it's anybody's ball game after that. So that's the, the, the feeling that you had in the pit of your stomach. Like, this thing could still get away from us. The defense could look like they could murder anybody out on the field, and we could still lose this thing because our offense can't match. The de- now, granted, the defense was setting a very high bar, but all the, the offense needs to do is come close. With the way our defense is playing in these first two games, we only need about 17 points to win a football game. I mean, that's just, that's just fact. The, you know, we won't need many much points. We won't need many points to win football games if our defense can keep this up uh, throughout the year. We'll win 14 to 10 ball games if we have to, you know. And I understand this is a growing process for everybody. You got a lot of new guys. Like basically anybody that's anyone as far as skill position is new to the team. Not only are they new to the team, they're new to each other. They're new to this offensive system. We got a brand new head coach running a football team for the first time calling the plays, you know, well, not calling plays for the first time, but calling plays for these players for the first time. There is going to be a learning curve. But we as Bear fans, we're in year six without Lovey Smith, and we haven't come close to the record that got him fired, which is 10-6. and six. We want results. We want wins, and we want them now. 
You know, it's it's uh, like I said, heck, Jekyll and I want to say Heckle and Heckle and Jide for some reason. That, that's why it keeps coming out funny. Jekyll and Hyde. You know, that's what we bear fans are as well. We're Jekyll and Hyde. We understand that this is a building process. We understand that this is a learning process and that it's still very early in the season. But on the other hand, we're like, screw that. We've waited long enough. The defense is playing lights out. The offense needs to catch up and do it now and win us some goddamn football games. So that's the feeling that you have in the second quarter. And unfortunately for my uh, for my blood pressure, the third quarter wasn't much better as far as the Bears putting together uh, a drive that gave us points to extend the lead because after three quarters, the defense is still being dominant. They haven't uh, allowed 100 yards in total offense yet, but it's still only a 10-3 to ball game. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction to the Bears and the Seahawks after three quarters. The Bears still lead it 10-3. to The Bears are still dominating. Russell Wilson and the offense of the Seahawks can do nothing. I mean nothing. Um, I don't know if they've added another sack, but they've definitely I – don't, I don't think that the Seahawks have cracked 100 yards in total offense thus far, and we're headed into the final frame here. The Bears' offense sputtering to start the third quarter. Looks like they've got somewhat of the rhythm going here on this current drive. Uh, they, the, the last play was a uh, jet sweep to Taylor Gabriel. Uh, got the ball down to about the 15-yard line or so. So the Bears are in the red zone, and they're threatening. And at this point, with the way the defense is playing, I want a touchdown, but if we make this a two-score game, that can put this thing completely out of reach for Seattle with the way that the defense has been handling Wilson and company. And the one great thing that the offense has done in this quarter is that they haven't been three and out. I think maybe one three and out the whole second half thus far, but every one of their drives they've gotten at least one first down so the defense isn't running right back out there. So they're not going to be worn out like they were a week ago in Green Bay. But here we are. The offense is threatening. Let's see if we can put it out of reach, leading 10-3 to going into the fourth quarter. So again, still a little nervous about the lack of points coming from the offense. Still feeling good about the way the defense is playing. And as you heard me mention there, right there at the end, the the one good thing that the offense did in this football game that they didn't do uh, a week ago, especially in that third quarter, was that they kept themselves out on the field for a little while. They did get one first down, maybe a second first down, that kind of thing, before the the drive sputtered out and they had to give the football back. They weren't just going three and out, throwing three passes, running six seconds off the clock, and then you know giving the ball back uh, to the Seahawks. They were managing to hang on to the ball for a little bit before having to turn it over and then that last drive uh, that they were on at the end of the third quarter became the touchdown to start the fourth quarter um, four touchdowns scored between the two teams in the final 15 minutes but it was the two that the Bears scored that that counted uh, obviously we had a touchdown to Anthony Miller a very nice looking play a great throw from Trubisky to put it in the right spot uh, for the rookie who got the first of his promised eight touchdowns of his rookie season. So hopefully he'll be able to make good on, on the other seven uh, as we go along here. And then the second one was, uh, was all fireworks. You know, uh, Prince of Mucamora was able to, to generate a pick six, picked off Wilson, ran it back 49 yards for the touchdown. 
that was it. That was the end of the ball game right there. And then the Bears were able to carry the momentum in the fourth quarter to continue the dominance of the Seahawks and close the game out. Knee-jerk reaction to the fourth quarter of the Bears and the Seahawks. Two turnovers generated by the defense, one being the dagger for the Bears, a 49-yard pick six for Prince Amukamura. They put the Bears up 24 to 10. The the Seahawks add a late touchdown with about 20 seconds to go, make it 24 to 17, and that's your final. The Bears kneeling on it now to make it a 24-17 final and a victory for our beloved Chicago Bears. The defense was outstanding, aside from those two late touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Both of them came when the Bears had 14-point leads, so it was uh, an outstanding effort from the defense. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know, he's a great quarterback on a mediocre team right now. He's the only offense that they had uh, throughout the uh, football game. We got him six times tonight. Five in the first half alone, and then that second turnover was a strip uh, strip sack by uh, Danny Trevathan, recovered by uh, Leonard Floyd, and uh, that killed. Uh, that killed. That basically was it, uh, right there. So I mean, the Bears, uh, awesome on defense. Looking forward to seeing what this defense can do against an offense in Arizona that has generated six points total in their first two games. They were six points against the Redskins week one, shut out last week against the Rams. I'm practically salivating after this performance from our defense. A lot closer to a 60-minute performance than what we saw last week against Green Bay. Can't wait to see what they'll be able to do against statistically the worst offense in football next week in Arizona. But the Bears pull it off. They win the home opener. Get Matt Nagy his first win as Bears head coach. Move to 1-1. One one. Avoid an 0-2 hole for the fourth year in a row. The arrow's pointing up. We just need the offense to play on the level with defense, and we'll have something special here. And there you have it. Our beloved finish out the fourth quarter strong. Uh, the offense puts one on the board, and for the second week in a row, the defense putting points on the board as well. Prince of Mukamura, his first interception um, – well, his first interception as a Chicago Bear, I think they said it was his first pick in three years since uh, he was with the Giants because he spent a year in Jacksonville before coming to Chicago last season, got a goose egg as far as interceptions a year ago, and he said this was his first pick six uh, as a pro. So, I mean, uh, milestones all around for Prince of Mukamura uh, last night to to kind of put the the perfect punctuation on the defensive performance uh, last night. I mean, it, it really was uh, amazing uh, to watch. And uh, I was talking with a friend of mine uh, earlier today uh, about the uh, about the defense and, and talking about how Khalil Mack was uh, was such a beast. And I was and I and I told him I was like, as as wonderful as it is to have Mack on the team, and it, it's it's um, you know this defense was supposed to be good without him. You know, with the we we basically we had everybody coming back. Uh, from last year or everybody that contributed you know outside of the the injured guys like McPhee and Willie Young and 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 whatnot that we got rid of uh in the offseason still wish we'd have held on to Willie Young but anyway nonetheless what the the thing that's so great is that 
Khalil Mack was a one-man wrecking machine in Oakland because he had to be. You know, maybe aside from uh, Bruce Irvin, there really wasn't anybody else on that defensive side that was uh, special, that was making plays uh, for the Raiders and helping them win uh, football games. Khalil Mack was basically doing it all on his own because he had to. And Khalil Mack does not have to do that here in Chicago. He has Akeem Hicks. He has Eddie Goldman. He has uh, Leonard Floyd. And somebody, Mr. Sandy Vagina himself, Aaron Lynch, was making some plays yesterday. I couldn't believe it. You know, Amukamura is playing well. Kyle Fuller, Jerry's still out on him this year. He's not, uh, as far as getting noticed, Kyle Fuller not doing that great of a job up to this point. But, you know, we have Trevathan. Roquan Smith made his first start last night. And then, of course, on the back end, we got Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson. We got some killers back there. Mack is not the biggest, is not the only star on defense. He's just the biggest one at this point. And, and the impact that he's having is that he is the kind of guy, like he is, you know, I hate to rub salt in the wound, but he's an Aaron Rodgers type player where he makes everyone else around him better. Because you saw what happened to Green Bay when we knocked him out for that point in the second quarter. Deshaun Kaiser was awful. And we were able to take advantage of that to the tune of a pick six for Khalil Mack and putting points on the board and sacking the quarterback a couple of more times. The two turnovers we generated against Green Bay last week were when Deshaun Kaiser was on the field and Khalil Mack was responsible for both of them. This week, the Bears generated six sacks. Khalil Mack only had one. He just had the one uh, strip sack on Russell Wilson and we didn't even get the ball out of that one we just ended up getting the sack on on Wilson when he recovered the football I mean we had five sacks that Khalil Mack was not responsible for but in a way he was responsible for it's kind of like when I was gushing over Julius Peppers when he first joined the team he was doing so many things that you'll never see on a stat sheet affecting everybody else around him making things easier for Erlacher and Briggs to make tackles for Tommy Harris and all those guys uh, up front to be to be making plays and everything. Julius Peppers was was grabbing attention so that other guys were free to do things. Danny Trevathan was our leading sacker last night. He had two uh, in the ball game. So Eddie Goldman uh, got a sack, almost sacked Russell Wilson for a safety last night. Why? Because Khalil Mack collapsed that pocket on the right side, forced Russell Wilson to kind of step up into the pocket, into the loving arms of Eddie Goldman for a sack that put them inside their own one-yard line. That's the impact that Khalil Mack is having. He's having the kind of impact that Peppers was having when he first joined the team back in 2010, an impact that doesn't necessarily get spotted on the, uh, on the stat sheet, but he is making everyone, he is making a good defense so much better because of his presence. And I think that he's flying around the way that he is, playing with the speed and ferocity that he is right now because he knows he's not, he doesn't have to do it by himself. If he can't make the play, Akeem Hicks can do it. Leonard Floyd can do it. Aaron Lynch can do it. Eddie Goldman can do it. Roy Robinson Harris can do it. And then, of course, and those are just guys up front. We're not even talking about Roquan and Trevathan and Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson uh, behind him. You know, we, we got some studs on the defensive side. This defense was going to be good without Khalil Mack. It's going to be special now that he's a part of it. And we got dude locked up for the next six seasons. So, <laughs> oh, there's going to be happy days ahead with, uh, with Mack. The guy is a flat-out beast. And he's got, he's got friends around him uh, this time. He's not just doing it on his own like he was in Oakland. And even with nobody around him, the guy still won Defensive Player of the Year in 2016. Imagine what he can do with this cast of characters 
you know, just making his whole, making his life a whole lot easier. So it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's, um, it, it makes you, you know, it makes you moist to think about it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, just think about like, you, you heard me mention at the end of the knee jerk reaction there, just think about what this defense a has done to the Packers and the Seahawks. And they have Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Imagine what we're going to be able to do next week, knock on wood, against Sam Bradford, or even better, Josh Rosen and the Arizona Cardinals next week. Okay? Rosen, I think, is going to be a good quarterback in this league. Sam Bradford has proven time and time again he's okay, but definitely not great. And um, this is going to be a hungry bear defense that he's facing and 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 you heard me mention it during the knee-jerk reaction there this is an offense that has generated six points and that's a that was one garbage touchdown at the end of the football game against the uh against the redskins and uh yeah so they've scored one touchdown zero field goals and, and 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 what have you uh in eight quarters of football they've scored six points and they have to face the bears on sunday Granted, they're facing the Bears on Sunday in their own home stadium, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not liking it. I mean, it's all we need is is the offense to make some plays next week because you know with the just and I know this is silly to keep talking it uh, talking about it like this, but 14 points is all we'll need next week against the Cardinals. They're that bad uh, on offense up to this point. It's it's just uh, you know it, they're not very they're not a good football team on offense. Uh, at all so I mean and then they got smoked by the Rams 34 to nothing on Sunday uh, 24 to 6 a week ago uh, against the uh, the Redskins um, you know you, you hate to to say things in, in absolute terms especially when it when you're when you're talking about the Bears because they have this innate ability to win the games they should lose and lose the games they should win so I mean this is a perfect perfect game for the Bears to fall flat on their faces <laughs> but I just I just don't think that's going to happen you know, I really do think that those days uh, may be behind us and that um, we're going to make some make some. Uh, it's going to be a fun afternoon uh, on, on Sunday when the Bears play against the uh, Cardinals. So um, and gearing up to what uh, could be an exciting game uh, week four against the Bucks, because, you know, when we had uh, our good friend Ren Dax on the show during the summer previewing the season, we're like, look at this. We got New Orleans. We got Philadelphia. We got Pittsburgh for the first three games. It is very possible that the Buccaneers can be 0-3 when they come to Chicago to play the Bears. Very, very possible. And now with the way that that offense is playing and with the way that the Steelers are coming apart at the seams right now, you know, they get the they, – they, if it wasn't for the Cleveland kicker forgetting that the ball goes between the uprights instead of uh, on uh, outside of them – they lose week one in overtime to the Browns, and then they got beat up uh, this past week uh, by the Chiefs. They're, they're basically an 0-2 football team. They're 0-1-1 right now. And Antonio Brown doesn't show up for work yesterday. Talking on Twitter, like a fan is talking trash about how he'd never uh, make, those, uh, make those plays and get those numbers without the Steelers. His answer was, trade me and let's find out. <laughs> this, and, of course, the whole Le'Veon Bell mess that's going on there i mean it as talented a team as the steelers appear to be on paper i think that uh there's something going on in that locker room that's going to sink the team uh this year unless mike tomlin can really get it under uh, under control 
But, um, you know, right now it's looking good for Tampa Bay, who's playing on Monday night against the Steelers next week, to be coming into Soldier Field with a 3-0 and record. I mean, it's it could be a 3-0 and team that comes in on Sunday that uh, we thought in, in May at the beginning of uh, – end of May, beginning of June – when we talked to Ren, we very it was very possible that we could be looking at an zero and three team, uh, you know, heading into Soldier Field Week Four. So I mean, it really could be a a, a three and zero versus two and one matchup that uh, you know two teams kind of coming out of nowhere that uh, could have something to say about it. And when December uh, rolls around, so that uh, that could be a very interesting game. And that's uh, of course after we get done trouncing the Cardinals uh, this weekend, which I fully expect our beloved uh, to do so um, there you have it that is the week two review uh, for the Bears and the Seahawks the Bears improved to one and one avoiding a 0-2 hole for the fourth year in a row so that's awesome and um, or avoid having an 0-2 hole for the fourth year uh, in a row so that is awesome that the Bears don't have to endure that that we got the W we should be 2-0 god damn it but we're not um We'll get there one of these days. We'll get there. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to the Cardinals now. And um, it's a short week. We, 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 we're, we're a day short on preparation uh, for, the, for, this, uh, for this game because we played on Monday night. But I think we're going to be okay. The one really great thing that's uh, not happening uh, so far is, um, knock on wood, injuries. We're, we're pretty much coming out of these games uh, scot-free. Uh, you know, I think guys are, are experiencing some soreness in practice. Like Kyle Long didn't practice until Saturday with uh, with ankle uh, soreness. And, um, you know, the only person with a with a bad injury at this point is uh, was uh, DeAndre Houston, Car- uh, DeAndre Houston Carson. Uh, and that was from the uh, the broken forearm that he suffered in the uh, preseason. So he's still recovering uh, from that. Everybody else is, you know, maybe some soreness here or a bruise there. You know, my knees are sore, my hamstring is tight, you know, that kind of thing. Nothing major up to this point. Now, granted, we still got 14 games left to go, and a lot can happen in that time. But, um, you know, fortune seems to be changing as far as injuries are concerned up to this point, I should say. But uh, there you have it. We got the victory over the Seahawks 24-17. to And that'll close the book on our week two review. What do you say we go ahead and cap this bad boy off with everybody's favorite segment, Bear Up and Bear Down. And before we get to bear up and bear down for the week two review, I want to remind you guys, my bookie is being slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they will give you an additional $25 in free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code. We got a new one this week. Bears 25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Bears25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free pay. So if you're willing to hold out until after dinner, 7 o'clock Eastern, uh, you can get that extra $25 in free play by using the promo code Bears25. So there you go, guys. MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. And there we go. 
with our bears uh bear up and bear down list uh for the week it's um i'm trying to think of, of guys that kind of stood out and uh you know it was kind of a short list on both sides uh this week as far as uh you know who who i thought uh, deserved to be uh, uh recognized um this week and um you know i'm pretty sure you can imagine the names on the bear upside uh first we'll just go ahead and get him out of the way khalil mack bear up to khalil mack um only had the one sack but as you heard me you know gushing about him a few minutes ago it's because of khalil mack he was he didn't make the sacks but he was responsible for a lot of them that one from eddie goldman uh down there in the uh on the goal line that was mack closing down the pocket forcing russell wilson to step up and uh you know like i said ran into the big hulking arms of of eddie goldman to to get that sack uh there and uh you know just the impact that this guy is having uh the strip sack that he had before unfortunately didn't become a turnover for us but uh nonetheless that was the sack that uh Khalil Mack was credited with and just the play that he made on that sack was kind of insane because he was actually the offensive tackle Efidi was doing a great job on Mack that time and it was just Mack with his the strength and just overall effort that he just reaches out just as as Wilson's about to try to throw the football and hooks the football, pulls it out of his hand, and you know now everybody's scrambling to uh, to get the loose ball. Uh, an amazing performance from Khalil Mack, and more of a sixty minute performance that we've that we didn't uh, get to see last week against Green Bay. And I was reading an article about you know as awesome as the Bears defense has been in the first two games, they're just scratching the surface on what they're capable of because. Khalil Mack is an endless motor kind of guy. And unfortunately, that motor didn't start revving until the Green Bay game, basically. I mean, he may have been, you know, working out to to keep his cardio up and everything, but he um, missed all of training camp, didn't play in any preseason games. So he's not what you would call in football shape just yet. I mean, think about three, four weeks from now when he's had all that time to practice. He's played in a handful of football games and and what have you. Uh, when Khalil Mack gets his uh, gets his strength all the way back, imagine what a force he'll be as we get deeper and deeper uh, into this season. And um, you know, and the fact that Roquan Smith uh, give him some more time to to get out on the field and 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 find his footing. Uh, he was pretty much everywhere last night. I saw him uh, with his hand on a on a lot of tackles uh, last night. I don't know how many he was credited with, but. Uh, he was uh he was in the area no matter what he was around the ball which is the reputation that he earned when he was at Georgia he was always around where things were happening and that's why he won the uh, the Butkus uh, trophy as the best linebacker in the country when he was uh when he was with the Bulldogs so but um, bear up to Khalil Mack another outstanding uh, performance uh, from him uh, the the only the, the second of many knock on wood uh, bear down too I hate to do it Mitch Trubisky. You know, statistically, it wasn't bad. Uh, statistically, it was, um, I got the numbers right here. It was like 25 of twenty-five of 34, 200 yards, two touchdowns, and, of course, the two interceptions. He was only sacked twice uh, on Monday night, so he wasn't under fire too much, which I guess kind of makes it a little bit worse. And 25 of 34 is actually pretty good. However, those nine complete incompletions kind of stand out almost more than any completion he did make last night i mean what else have you heard me talk about throughout the entire show you hear me talk about what could have been a touchdown pass 
uh, to Taylor Gabriel, a wide open and a, just a big wide open space with nobody in it. If he hits Gabriel in stride, I, I am, I'm, very, I'm very confident that play could have ended up being a touchdown, if not set us up for one. Um, the, the football that he launched over Jordan Howard's head, it would have been a first. It was like a second and five, so mostly an inconsequent, incons, insignificant. That's the word I'm looking for, insignificant uh, play. But he launches the football over the head, and we're looking at third and five instead of first and ten. Um, the, the short play, the short pass on, on the interception, uh, the one that almost got picked off where he tried to rope it into the corner of the end zone, only he had to get through about two or three defenders to get it to one of our guys. Uh, you know, just some bad decisions, uh, some bad throws uh, last night. And, you know, we're wanting to see progress. And, and you heard me talk about it before. Um, and we'll throw Matt Nagy in there, bear down as well, because Jordan Howard had 35 yards rushing on only 14 carries last night. And it wasn't because the Seahawks defense was so awesome uh, against the run. I was talking to my dad uh, about this. It's, you know, Jordan Howard is what you call a volume back. The more you keep feeding him the ball, the more dangerous he's be- he becomes because he's not a speedster. He's a downhill, you know, between the tackles kind of runner. Now, he's got the skills and the moves to 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 make you miss and and get those yards or anything, but he's not going to run from anybody. That's why he was a 5th round back because he doesn't have the breakaway type of speed, but Jordan Howard can hurt you. Jordan Howard can get those tough yards and he can turn those small gains into big chunks. But you got to give him the ball if you're going to do that. And there were too many times last night when the Bears could have been trying to establish a rhythm with Jordan Howard, who is, despite not being part of the discussion, one of the better running backs in football and we're not utilizing him. And that's on Matt Nagy. Or maybe it's on both Trubisky and Nagy because we're doing those RPOs and we're choosing the P instead of the R in that uh in that scenario you know maybe we need to be running the football a little bit more because that's what happened with the touchdown uh the last touchdown drive you know we we did run the football a little bit more and it was a play action uh play that set up the touchdown pass to uh to uh anthony miller there at the beginning of the fourth quarter you know we had the uh the um the play fake going to the right side trubisky rolls to his left boom anthony miller's wide open touchdown bears up 17 to 3 in what seemingly looked like an impossible task for the Seattle Seahawks offense with the way our defense was playing uh last night you know that's what happens when you get Jordan Howard involved the Seahawks will or the defense the defenders know that they have to pay attention to Jordan Howard because he ran for 1100 yards against eight men boxes all of last year they know this guy is dangerous they know this guy can hurt you so they have to respect what he's doing, which is why we as Bear fans have been dying to see this offense play. Because if you add a Robinson and a Gabriel, a Trey Burton, uh, you know, and Anthony Miller and, and all that kind of stuff to what we can already do with Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard in the backfield, you got to watch out for that. So, I mean, that's just all there is to it. You know, it, you, you have to, as a defense, you have to know where Jordan Howard is at all times because he's dangerous with the ball in his hand and 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 Nagy and and possibly also Trubisky didn't make that happen enough uh last night it could have made things so much easier on themselves last night if they would have just kept feeding you know keep feeding uh Howard the ball instead of always trying to force the ball down the field uh you know with the pass I mean the way that they 
throw the football and in the volume in which they're doing it, you would think they have no confidence uh, in the running game. And uh, with Cohen and Howard in the backfield, we've been waiting all season to see what these guys are capable of in this offense, and we're not getting a chance to see it. As a matter of fact, you know, Trubisky's seemingly favorite target throughout the entire preseason was Trey Burton. And aside from that one catch for the three-yard touchdown on the shovel pass, we're not seeing a whole lot of Trey Burton uh, up to this point. It's kind of disappointing, actually, because uh, as, as the chemistry you saw between those two in the preseason, I know it was only preseason, but you were kind of hoping that it would carry over and that Burton would be uh, Trubisky's favorite target and, and be that guy that he's always looking for on second and six and, and you know and things like that. And Burton's kind of been a ghost in these first couple of games. It's, it's kind of been uh, disappointing. Not enjoying what I'm seeing thus far from the uh, from the offense, and uh, you know, hope that it uh, improves as we go along. Granted, having the you know the whole uh, Jekyll and Hyde thing, hoping that uh, you know, on the uh, Doctor Doctor Jekyll, I guess, on the Doctor Jekyll side, the sane side, we're being patient. We know that this is a growing process for the offense, but on the the Mister Hyde side of things, we want results and we want them now. You guys have the tools. Um, you know, we know that Trubisky is capable. We just got to see the results and see it happening out on the field. Make things easier for the defense that's making life easy for you uh, by by not putting a burden of, of having to score a heavy amount of points to win football games. So they've got your back. Now it's time for you uh, to get theirs. Uh, a couple of bear-ups instead. Uh, actually, I'm going to go the last three bear-ups I have. Uh, Bear-up uh, Prince of Mukamura. You know, the, the, the back-breaking interception for the pick six uh, that put the game away for us last night. His, uh, he's been the better of the two corners. Um, coming into the season, you would have uh, thought it would be the other way, that Fuller was the better of the two between himself and Amukamura. And, and Mukamura has been the, the early leader in the clubhouse uh, thus far, uh, who's been playing a lot better than Fuller has up to this point. So bear up to Amukamura. Bear up Danny Trevathan, like I mentioned earlier, our leading sacker. Uh, the strip sack that that uh, pretty much killed any momentum the Seahawks are trying to generate there in the fourth quarter. The Bears did recover that one, um, and Trevathan with two sacks on the night last night. And then bear up to Vic Fangio. The, the scheme that he's putting together, and granted he's got a lot of uh, good football players to to do it with, but uh, nonetheless uh, he's been uh, he's been making some pretty pretty some pretty beautiful music out there. Uh, thus far you know the uh, the offense didn't really do him any favors last week against Green Bay and his uh, his unit kind of uh, petered out in the fourth quarter because it was tired uh, tonight or last night I should say not the case the offense did its part as far as keeping the defense off the field or keeping them off the field long enough to get their win back and they were able to reward the offense by smashing the Seattle Seahawks into the ground uh, as often as humanly possible. So uh, bear up to Fangio, uh, called the great game last night. Saw him mixing in some more blitzes, seeing Bryce Callahan. Even saw a blitz out of Sherrick McManus last night. You know, He's mixing it up and, and, and making things happen with the defense, and uh, the Bears can, can be super aggressive uh, with, the, with the talent that they have on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, it's been fun to watch uh, thus far. And then the final bear down, actually, doesn't have anything to do with anybody on the team. I just want to give a very special bear down to ESPN because they decided that last night during this quote-unquote commercial-free halftime show 
that it was far more important to show this nobody band that nobody's ever heard of uh, or to play a pre-recorded performance from these nobodies. Like, I don't even know their names and I don't care to know who it was, but they thought it was more important to show that nonsense than to show Brian Urlacher and his halftime acceptance of his Hall of Fame ring being honored uh, by the by the organization in front of the his home crowd, in front of his home fans that he played in front of for 13 seasons. Erlacher, a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, you know, they didn't show a second of that. I mean, they really didn't. They kind of showed, I think maybe they showed some images of it as they were going to a commercial break or something like that. But they did not air the, the you know, that they didn't air the festivities at all. I mean, it was it's ridiculous. They didn't show any of the speech Erlacher getting his ring or, or any anything like that. It was instead they showed this this nobody band that I've never even heard of. Couldn't tell you what they were called or anything like that. And it was pre-recorded, So it's not like they were in the stadium performing for the 70,000 people or so that showed up for the game. No, they were there honoring Brian Urlacher instead while this crap was being played, uh, this pre-recorded crap was being played instead of this wonderful moment that Bear fans that couldn't be at Soldier Field would have enjoyed seeing when, when one of our favorite players, one of my favorite players especially of all time, was being honored for his achievements and being named to the Hall of Fame uh, in, in 2018. It, it, it's ridiculous that they didn't air it. Instead, it's... I, I don't know who the band was. I never heard of them when I saw who was going to be performing. I didn't realize it was going to be shown instead of. I thought it was going to be shown in addition to Erlacher getting his Hall of Fame ring and being honored by the fans and the team uh, and so on and so forth. No, we got none of that. Instead, we got this garbage hipster. You know, they look like homeless people recording or, you know, performing this pre-recorded garbage instead of seeing Erlacher be honored uh, by the bears. So huge bear down thumbs down, whatever for ESPN. That's uh, that was awful. Just flat out awful that they would elect to do that instead of showing Erlacher uh, getting his, uh, getting his ring. So that'll do it. We'll go ahead and end on that. Come back on Thursday though, when uh, Jess root from cardswire.com will join us to help preview the week three matchup between the bears and, and the Cardinals. We'll see how Jess feels about his offense and, or the lack thereof from this football team. Does he think that we'll be seeing Josh Rosen this week, whether he's starting, or do you think that you know Steve Wilkes, the new head coach of the Cardinals, will just tire uh, of, uh, of Sam Bradford and his lack of productivity and throw the rookie out there? What does he think will happen? Uh, you know, Is he looking forward to this game on Sunday, considering how the Bears' defense has played in the first eight quarters? of the season we'll answer those questions and so much more so come back on thursday for the week three preview until then my name is larry d and this has been bears talk underground